Welcome to the Geek-Centric Podcast. On this week's show, DC Studios is firing on all guns, Star Wars is getting lost with Damon Lindelof, Nicolas Cage seems poised to make a big Hollywood return or two, and Marvel drops a very festive and a very teeny trailer that's sure to get MCU fans excited, and we have our MCU Marvel expert on the program to break those down. Join us as we discuss all this and everything else that happened this week in Geek. Hello, my name is Kev, and if you're joining us for the first time, well, we are Geek-Centric, a podcast covering the world of movies, TV shows, toys and collectibles, gaming, and all things Geek-Centric. We're back with another edition of This Week in Geek, where we look at all the latest news and trailers from the Geekiverse. Of course, I can't do this alone. Joining me on the show, there's not six degrees of separation between us, because he's not Kevin Bacon. When he says he knows his Marvel shit, he's definitely not faking. What is up, Darcy? How are you this evening? I'm doing good, doing good. Earlier today, we just recorded uh, Tales of the Jedi uh, review, which, fun series there, definitely worth checking out, so I'm ready to talk some more Marvel-centric stuff this time. <laughs> yes, uh, but you always have a good time talking uh, Star Wars or Marvel, uh, and you oh, and yeah. you know your stuff, as I said on the intro there, so. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm totally, like, again, not much to break down from these trailers, but what I do have, it got... It got my speculating brain going to wild places, so I can't wait to share my thoughts with you guys. Excellent. Okay, because I have a few questions, so hopefully you can sort of answer them for us as we uh, break that trailer down a little. Uh, But before that, it is uh, the best week of the year, at least uh, according to my wife and myself. It's Halloween time. We are uh, pretty much a week out from the big day as of this recording. Uh, which means we're we're getting ready. We're getting into that planning, and 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 uh, it's go time. Basically, we got to go get some pumpkins, which we'll uh, carve up the day before, and then uh, the big decoration and and uh, everything on the night itself. Now, how about you? I know you're not the biggest Halloween fan, but there's is there anything about this time of the year that you do enjoy? I mean, I'm a big fall guy. I don't really not much for Halloween, but this is my favorite time of year where it's the perfect temperature to go out, go for a walk. You're not dying in the sun. It's got a nice cool breeze. You can get some beautiful days like the uh, past few we've had here in uh, the Toronto area. So, I mean, I just love fall. Fall is fun. I can I can I can dig that uh, 100%. I, as a as a big guy myself, I do like sweater weather where I don't need to bundle into a big jacket, but I can wear a sweater and be comfortable. And you're right, the uh, the fall leaves are always wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you mentioned the weather. We've had an amazing last week here. I really hope that the weather gods themselves saved us one day. Because there's nothing worse than waking up on Halloween, and it's cold, and it's rainy, and, you know, you don't want to spend all night outside, and you know the kids probably won't mm-hmm. as well. So here's mm-hmm. hoping for, uh, again, just one more really nice night. I, I, I'm praying for you, too, because I know how elaborate you guys set up the front of your house, so I want people to be able to come and see it. <laughs> well, yeah, we're, we're loaded up with 140 full-size chocolate bars. I'm convinced it's way <laughs> too many. My wife is convinced it's not enough. Uh, hopefully, 
hopefully it's somewhere in the middle there. There was there <laughs> was one year. Left over. Well, I, we don't want too many left over now that we're back on the <laughs> Weight Watchers train. We don't need too many of those left over. But we certainly hope to avoid a situation like we had a couple years ago where uh, the first year of the pandemic, we had five visitors, five total people. And so the next year we thought, oh, is it going to be a repeat? So we, we were underprepared. We were literally handing out Ziploc bags of like saltine crackers, um, toonies and loonies, just anything we could. Here's a couple <laughs> double A batteries. Like, I don't know. We were just desperate. Um, but because we had done the setup and people, you know, had recognized it from years past, we actually had some word of mouth visitors. People were, were traveling from across Richmond Hill to come check it out. And so uh, we were we got caught a little off guard, but never again. Uh, we're we're definitely a little bit more prepared this year, um, but uh, I think we should move right into the news because there's some interesting stories and some have a lot to do with what we were talking about last week uh, on this week in geek. So let's move right ahead and jump into the news. It's all about the details. All right, our first story comes from. Uh, my buddy, uh, just because I seem to uh, use one of his articles every week. So my good friend, <laughs> Boris Kitt at The Hollywood Reporter. Uh, according to him, the hierarchy of power in the DC universe really is changing. In a stunning turn of events, filmmaker James Gunn and producer Peter Safran have been tapped to lead DC's film, TV, and animation efforts as co-chairs and co-CEOs of DC Studios, a newly formed division at Warner Bros. that will replace DC Films. The unprecedented move, in which a top director will assume a top executive post, marks the end of a months-long search by Warner Bros. Discovery CEO David Zaslav to replace DC Films boss Walter Hamada, who departed the, uh, the studio last week. And so, Darsh, we, we kind of talked about uh, how uh, Hamada was stepping down, and in that wake, it looked like some people were... Uh, who had had a few arguments with him uh, in terms of a certain return of a certain caped superhero. Uh, that really does feel like that was the the beginning of the end for Hamada's uh, role within Warner Brothers and with DC. Uh, and so now it looks like the uh, the search had all of Hollywood guessing and, and playing executive bingo for who would land one of the most coveted and challenging jobs in town. Uh, and it looks like it will be James Gunn. Um, you know, uh, we had talked about James having at least one or two secret movies that he was sort of trying to develop with uh, DC in addition to his work on The Suicide Squad and then The Peacemaker TV show. Uh, but it looks like he's going to have a, uh, a much larger role now. This is kind of what we've been saying on this program alone for years is that they needed that singular mm -hmm. creative vision to really lead the way. Yeah, it totally feels like when I saw this uh, news announcement, all I could think of was that DC found their Favreau and Filoni in the in the producer and filmmaker team up almost because Filoni for Star Wars is the creative mind driving all these new pro projects, and Favreau is the one kind of financially shaping that for the future. And it feels like they are doing very much the same thing with this pairing here because I mean James Gunn is known for his incredible character work, and I, I'm. Hopeful that we'll see an ongoing arc for some of these characters that we haven't really gotten much for in the DC. You know, I, I really I, I couldn't agree with you more because I do think that is what DC has been missing all mm -hmm. this time is just 
there were too many cooks in the kitchen. There were too many different ideas, and they never had this cohesive sort of vision for what they wanted to get out of these characters. Um, mm-hmm. So even just going back to the article here, it uh, continues saying, unlike Marvel Studios, DC has multiple films set in separate creative universes. And according to sources, Joker filmmaker Todd Phillips' work on the upcoming sweet sequel, which goes into production later this year, will not fa- fall under Gunn and Saffron's purview and instead will over, uh, be overseen by uh, producers of that film originally. And then you also have Matt Reeves, uh, who worked under the former CEO Hamada. Uh, he has a budding universe based on his Batman movie, and so it's unclear under whose purview Reeves' future projects would fall, but everything else moving forward would be under Gunn and Saffron. And I think even if that's the case, I think that that really works. Joker's sort of its own thing. We know that mm-hmm. it's not going to interact with Matt Reeves' Batman, and it's not going to interact with... I don't know if we'll ever see Batfleck back again, but I don't think <laughs> that Joker is in the same universe as Black Adam and and uh, you know uh, Superman. But mm-hmm. I do like the idea that uh, even if Matt Reeves is sort of a separate cinematic universe, and based on the plans we talked about last week with multiple villain movies and TV shows, it sounds mm-hmm. like that can survive as its own thing. But then everything else under that one umbrella of James Gunn and Saffron, I think, is is the way to go for DC uh, to to just sort of get some semblance of organization and this and a, and a singular creative vision, I think, is what they really need. 100%. Again, you said too many cooks in the kitchen was the problem going, uh, with the last slate of DC movies and shelved ones and all that stuff. So, yeah, again, I really think that this is a, a good move in terms of one creative force driving this storytelling universe. Well, uh, you know, uh, only time will tell what does in fact happen, but... I, this is the most confident I've been in DC in quite a while. Um, I, I think this is the uh, uh, James Gunn's the right guy to do it, uh, and I think his passion wasn't just for Marvel characters. He has a really great understanding of comic book characters and the way those worlds should work and the way those characters should be adapted and treated on the big screen. So yeah, I think I think this is exciting and. While so many times it looked like, oh, no, DC stumbles again. DC, are they going to have to scrap it all? Are they going to have to go back to square one? I think if anybody can sort of go, listen, here's here's what we have that's working. Let's build off of that and keep going to keep at least some familiarity with characters and stories with the audience instead of a fresh whole retooling of it all. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to be sad to see him go because I, I don't think Marvel properties going forward will be you know james gunn driven unfortunately but again it has me hopeful for dc movies coming forward absolutely uh so here's something you don't hear on geek centric very often we're looking forward to the future of (laughs) dc well done james gunn congratulations Mm all righty well here's a a story from a franchise that uh, i'm always excited to talk about uh, the story comes from Richard Fink at Screen Rant. Damon Lindelof's Star Wars movie story details have reportedly been revealed. A new report hints that Damon Lindelof's Star Wars movie will take place after the rise of Skywalker and could feature some returning characters. Shortly after it was announced that Damon Lindelof was writing a new Star Wars movie, new t- details about the project have been released. Following the release of Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker in December 2019, Lucasfilm has struggled to get a new Star Wars movie off the ground. 
While Patty Jenkins' Road Squadron was set for release in December 2023, the film was taken off the release schedule due to creative differences. It was re recently confirmed that Lost creator Damon Lindelof was working on a new Star Wars film for Lucasfilm. Lindelof and Lucasfilm brought on Miss Marvel director Charmaine Obaid Chinoy to help usher the project in. No details were revealed regarding the film, but many assume Disney and Lucasfilm were aiming to have the movie ready for release in December 2025, as they have already set a date aside for a Star Wars movie. More details regarding Lindelof's upcoming Star Wars project have been revealed, as The Hollywood Reporter mentions that Lindelof's story would reportedly take place after The Rise of Skywalker, but it's not a continuation of the Skywalker saga. Uh, the article mentions the upcoming movie could feature some returning characters from the sequel trilogy, and though intended as a standalone story, the door is open for more movies if it is hit, uh, a hit with critics and audiences. While Lucasfilm's original plan was to develop new trilogies, it appears the studio is focusing on standalone projects. Uh, that, that line right there uh, makes me very happy. Instead of mm -hmm. going into... Because, I mean, they, they had these ideas for these big trilogies without finding stories that warranted them. And so mm -hmm. I like this idea that they're going to take each movie as a, a standalone pr pr production. And if it works with audiences and there's more stories worth telling, they can continue on those. Um, but so what do you think of a, a Star Wars movie set after The Rise of Skywalker? Uh, and are there characters from that trilogy that you'd like to see going forward? Yeah, before we get into that, I just want to say, like you said, the fact that it's standalone projects, I that makes me think... That was what Star Wars originally was. It was just Star Wars. One movie and they were just seeing if it was going to go over well. And then the explosion afterward is completely unprecedented. So, I mean, thinking of it that way, I'm hopeful that this, these new movies might have more. But I'm also glad that they're going to be standalone and, and self-contained. Now, as for characters I'd love to see returning from uh, Rise of Skywalker, because I am stoked to explore more of this new timeline. I'm always interested to see where or what's next for Star Wars. And this is really a new frontier and that we haven't heard stories from this point of view yet uh they've kind of been focusing on the between uh the the middle era uh of star wars so i'm really looking forward to um what to come i'd love to see dj personally benicio del toro's dj was one of the, my favorite parts of uh the last jedi and i was sad to see him go so quickly so i'd love to have him come back in some shady form or something like that Oh, I like that. I like that because he he was certainly interesting. Um, mm -hmm. The storyline he was involved in was was certainly Awful. Uh, frustrating storyline. But yeah. uh, no, the the character I think has lots of potential, and I could see him coming in down the road and and being an important player. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, you've got Oscar Isaac and John Boyega who've pretty much gone on the record saying they're they're done with Star Wars for at least the near future. Uh, but there are plenty of characters that we could we could see. You could see Ray attempting to rebuild the Jedi Order. Uh, some people have suggested maybe we'll see Rose Tico, who was sort of pushed to the side mm -hmm. for that third movie. Maybe we'll see what she's doing after the events of Rise of Skywalker. Um, but no, I agree with you, Darce, that this is a, an interesting era to explore because there's nothing. After nothing Rise of Skywalker, all. there is nothing at all. And so it's boundless potential. I mean, what mm -hmm. they're doing right now with Andor set in between the, the, the prequel and the original trilogy is great. And then you've obviously got Mandalorian, which is sort of taking place um, around the, the Jedi uh, time of, of the, Star mm -hmm. War, the original Star Wars trilogy. Yeah, like you said, this is unprecedented. They can do anything with the story. They're not confined. 
Um, and so, yeah, it'll be kind of exciting to see how they explore what happens once most of the Jedi are gone and the Emperor's gone and, and what happens to the galaxy at that point. Because mm-hmm. you know there's this power vacuum. There's going to be some new baddie from outside the the rims that we know in Star Wars. So, again, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that this is going to be a really cool door-opening movie that will start exploring a really new timeline in Star Wars and that we anything as possible because nothing has been set in stone yet. Yeah, and so maybe with that, what you do is you set it so far that it's beyond any of the characters from that trilogy, at least any of the mm-hmm. human characters. Uh, maybe you use a droid like BB-8 or uh, Dio to to have that sort of continuity stream yeah. run through it. But yeah, and, and that way, uh, you know, you could sort of have them some projection tell a story or something about Ray setting up this new Jedi that's uh, Jedi order that's very new in the beginning and then like you said it's big baddie that we've never seen or met comes in and and it all starts from there I think that'd be really really cool so uh mm. yeah exciting news uh from Star Wars in the regard of new content not mm-hmm. uh I mean while I'm enjoying Andor and stuff it's still a prequel and so anytime we get a fresh story I'm very excited for that yeah, I mean, as long as it's not some sort of Star Wars purgatory the whole time, I'm happy. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Hey, rewatch Lost. It's not quite what people remember it as. The story was much better than I remember it as uh, after I did a rewatch a couple years ago. So, uh, uh, but I agree. Yeah, it was not all a dream. Uh, hopefully, uh, in that regard. Although I'm, I'm sure some people would like that last trilogy to, to have all been a dream and. <laughs> and to see some better stories, so there was good uh, moments in that trilogy. I take the po- I take what I can from things. If even if it's bad, I'll still find something to like about it because it's Star Wars. Fair enough. I thought it ended on a great note for me, mm-hmm. um, but that if if people thought the prequel trilogy divided the Star Wars community, that sequel trilogy <laughs> is just as guilty. Boy, oh boy. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of sequels, why don't we move into our final story of the day here. This comes from Jeremy Dick at Movie Web. Nicolas Cage is in talks to return for sequels to Face Off and National Treasure, as fans may soon see the actor revisiting two of his most popular career roles, Castro Troy and Benjamin Franklin Gates. Progress appears to be moving forward on the upcoming Nick Cage sequels. On uh, Tuesday, a report noted that Nick Cage had been in very high demand for action movie roles since appearing in the acclaimed drama Pig. Of all movies that were going to relaunch Nicolas Cage's career, who would have thought it would have been his movie that was loosely based off Taken but with a pig? Uh, The report (laughs) notes that in addition to this career renaissance landing him movies like the upcoming horror comedy Renfield, Cage is also in various stages of discussion to return for sequels to some of his other hit films from years past. Along with a possible return to National Treasure franchise, Cage is also said to be in talks for Face Off 2. Last year, it was reported that Godzilla vs. Kong helmer Adam Wingard would be directing a new Face Off movie. The filmmaker has since clarified that the film is being developed as a direct sequel to the first movie, but it has since been unclear if Cage will be coming back alongside John Travolta. While Travolta has been silent on the situation, Cage bluntly said in a Reddit AMA in April, uh, which everyone should check out because it was absolutely awesome, Uh, In that AMA, he said he would return to the role of Castor Troy, uh, noting that the original film is his favorite action movie. 
Uh, he said, Face Off is my favorite action movie, largely because we had the maestro John Woo to direct. Uh, in June, director Wingard said of the screenplay co-written with Simon Barrett that they're really honing in on the script. We're not going to share it with everybody. Uh, uh, it's, we're not going to share it until everybody's like, yep, this is the one. I think we got it. Uh, and it's probably been the most challenging script we've ever worked on for a lot of reasons. Uh, there's so much pressure in wanting to make sure that it lives up to the legacy of that project. But every draft you have these things that just click and you're like, ah, that's what Face Off is all about. Uh, and then as for the future of Cage in National Treasure... Um, it also seems unclear as the story will continue in a spin-off series coming soon to Disney Plus called National Treasure Edge of History. The series features Lizette Alexis in the lead role, and though it's set in the same universe, there hasn't been any indication of Cage making an appearance to reprise his role as Ben Franklin Gates. However, Jerry Bruckheimer did tease in August that National Treasure 3 could still be happening. Uh, they just hope that they can find the right script and that hopefully Cage will like it enough. Uh, so, Dars, I'm not sure if you're a big face-off fan, that early 90s uh, action flick. That's actually one of the few Cage movies I haven't gotten around to seeing yet. I mean, he has a massive catalog of films, and I've seen probably some of the worst ones from it, but I haven't gotten around to face-off for some reason. And, and so many people will tell you that's their favorite, because that is, that is almost the, the birth of loony, zany Nick Cage. Um, so... Um, yeah, people love that one, so it's definitely worth checking out. Travolta's great in it, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely definitely worth checking out, and if there's a second one coming out, I think I'll be even more inclined to add that to my watch list sooner rather than later. And I'm just, I'm, I'm kind of, it's been so long since I've actually seen it, so, uh, I mean, a, a sequel would certainly be a great re reason to revisit it. I'm mm -hmm. just trying to remember how it ends, and I'm not sure if it ended well for Nick Cage's character, um... <laughs> Uh, so I'm really curious about how they're going to pull this off, uh, if if it does end how I remember it. But again, I'm a little foggy on the details, so we'll have to see there. Um, but more than Face Off 2, National Treasure 3, yes, please, all day long. Mm -hmm. I love the National Treasure movies. Um, I'm definitely going to watch this show, but without Benjamin Franklin Gates, I just don't know how, you know, how much they'll really snag me in terms of... Uh, attention but we'll just have to see uh there but oh man national treasure three yes please yeah i'd, I'd 100 be on board for that because it was so fun i love that it was a fun adventure puzzle movie set in american history and it's just like yes everything about this yes i just it worked so well give me more <laughs> absolutely well did you hear that jerry did you hear that nick we want more so please make it happen but like I said, I guess in the meantime, we do have National Treasure, Edge of History, coming soon to Disney+, Plus, uh, possibly a show that we will cover right here on the Geek-Centric Podcast, so definitely keep your eyes and ears open. We'll uh, maybe drop you a few clues that you'll have to decipher <laughs> about whether that's coming or not. Um, but uh, I think that's going to wrap it up for the news today, so it's time to cue the banjo because... It's trailer time! <laughs> Alrighty, well, uh, we've just got two trailers today because they're uh, they're pretty big deals uh, in terms of uh, trailers, especially if you're an MCU fan. And we have our MCU expert himself, Darcy Hudson, here to break down a lot of the details for you. So we're going to start, uh, in, we're going to do it in order, and so we're going to start with the one that's coming out for this holiday season, the Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special, which was created, written, and directed by 
none other than James Gunn, uh, is set to bring festive cheer to the MCU fans just in time for the Christmas season. In it, the Guardians of the Galaxy celebrate Christmas and set out to Earth to find Peter Quill the best present. Uh, it's the second Marvel Studios special presentation in the MCU. It stars familiar friends Chris Pratt, Dave Bautista, Karen Gillan, uh, Pomp Clementif, Vin Diesel, Bradley Cooper, and Sean Gunn. And joining the fun are Maria Bakalova and Kevin freaking Bacon. <laughs> the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special is scheduled to be released on Disney Plus on November 25th, 2022, as the conclusion of Phase 4 of the MCU. Uh, it's funny... I thought Black Panther was the end of Phase 4, but now they're saying it's this holiday special. I assume this really is going to be the end, and I'm not sure how much this will play into the really big overarching story of you know, what we're getting from Phase 4 as much as Black Panther will, but this will be the last installment. Uh, Darsh, what did you think of this trailer? I loved it. I Kevin Bacon would be the greatest gift ever, I think. I'd love <laughs> to have that. <laughs> um no, I think I'm really excited. Again, the last uh, special I loved, and I'm hoping, I mean, this trailer has me just as excited for uh, the Guardian special because it seems like it's going to be very, again, holiday-based. Seeing Dra Drax and Palm walk down, sorry, seeing Drax and Ma Mantis walk down the streets of LA and just people kind of just looking but not really doing much more than a glance. I, I can't wait for the antics those two get up to while looking for Kevin Bacon. Well, because I was going to say that this would be the first time that the Guardians were on Earth, but that's not true, is it? Because no, they would no. have been there in the the final battle of Endgame, correct? Yes, and I'm sure on Scott Lang's podcast that he would have recounted the aliens he fought with in the uh, battle <laughs> against Thanos. So they're probably pretty well known, and if people see them, they're just going to be like, oh my god, is that Drax? I think that's Drax. Like, Yeah, but I mean, if you're going to walk anywhere, you walk through, uh, looking like that, you do it through Times Square or Hollywood Boulevard, and people will just be like, damn, those are good costumes. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, story-wise, I think that this series could, or this special, sorry, could focus on filling in that gap for where Gamora is, because obviously James Gunn had a plan when he started writing 1, 2, and 3 for Guardians, and it was a character growth for the family, the found family of the Guardians. And with kind of his creative uh, power being taken away by the Rousseaus and saying, we're going to kill your love interest and she'll come back but then go away because she's different is kind of leaving that gap for how is he going to explain her return in in the next movie with all those other things he's got to bring in with warlock and the high evolutionary and all this stuff so i'm wondering if this movie or this special is his way of explaining where gamora was in her return to the guardians without having to worry about shoot jamming that into the uh, already packed movie wow that's interesting okay i could definitely see that i mean i wonder if it's the entire sort of explanation and and reconnection, or if it at least helps set it up so they don't waste any time in that movie. I think that's mm -hmm. that's a really sharp idea there. I think that's exactly what this could be. And and you know, uh, Guardians is always already so much about family and and you know families who you you choose it to be. And and so uh, I think a holiday theme for these characters is the best possible fit. Mm -hmm. uh, and like you said, the the special presentation for um, uh, Werewolf by Midnight, or uh, I'm, I think I, I'm close to the title there. <laughs> by night. <laughs> by night, just by night. It's, it's anytime it's dark. Um, no, I think that just showed how awesome these presentations can be and really pick up the vibe of a holiday season. Mm -hmm. And so I, if they if they can capture that 
old school 1930s horror film vibe like that special did, if they can capture that Christmas movie fun and magic mm-hmm. and do it with Guardians of the Galaxy, like them chasing Kevin Bacon down the street there at the end of that it's trailer so is good. hysterical. It's so good. <laughs> I, I can't wait for what types of things we get because, again, Guardians on Earth just sets up for so many fun things. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, no, I think this is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and like you said, I think this will do a great job of sort of reconnecting us with characters who we haven't seen in quite a while. I mean, mm-hmm. at least in their own story. They've been a part of other stories, but to really be able to focus on them and, and get attached to them again and see where they've been and, and where they're going next, I think this is the perfect way to do that. So, uh, yeah, needless to say, I am very, very excited for November 25th when this hits Disney+. Plus. Uh, but uh, yeah, let's move on to our second trailer here. Uh, I'm just going to say, uh, the, the whoever's running that Marvel Twitter, uh, for them to have presented this trailer in a box the size of a, I don't even, it's the tiniest possible little box. Like and then to rice. have this, yeah. It was absolutely tiny. And then to just have the headline, what is this? A trailer for ants? <laughs> uh, brilliant, excellent stuff. Uh, and perfectly fits into the kind of fun we can expect from. Uh, this movie, I think, although this one might be a bit more serious and a bit more dire. Our next trailer is for Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. It's the 31st film of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The film is directed by Peyton Breed from a screenplay by Jeff Loveness and stars Paul Rudd, Evangeline Lilly, Michael Douglas, Michelle Pfeiffer, Catherine Newton, Jonathan Majors, and Randall Park. After the events of Avengers Endgame, Scott, Hope, Hank, Janet, and Scott's daughter Cassie are accidentally sent to the Quantum Realm, which is featured heavily in recent Marvel films like Ant-Man and the Wasp and Avengers Endgame. Uh, There they confront new enemies and strange creatures as they navigate their way around a whole new universe, all while dealing with the threat of Kang the Conqueror. The film presents the first proper look at Kang, the supervillain who can exist across the multiverse in different variants. Regardless of how his character ends up in this particular film, we already know this won't be the last we see of him, as he's scheduled to be the primary antagonist leading up into the fifth Avengers movie, Avengers The Kang Dynasty. All right, Darce, uh, this minute, minute and a half long trailer was absolutely crammed with juicy details. What did you think of the trailer? What stood out to you first? I love the trailer, and the first thing that stood out to me is Kang looks incredible, and he looks completely different than the, ver- the variant we got in He Who Remains. Just his attitude over the few lines we got in this just seems completely different. He is a ruthless conqueror, and not the loopy guy at the end of time that we saw in Loki. So I am stoked to see him bring this character to life and see again with his the army shots that we got in this. He is. He has a full army behind him, so he is a threat to anywhere in time. And I'm just worried about what uh, what job he's trying to rope the la- uh, like the Ant Man gang into in this this movie. It's it's wild. I mean, lots of people have have fears that this this can't end well for this this group of heroes, at least some of them, just because we know that this is just the beginning of what Kang's going to do in the MCU. And so, yeah, it's. It's very interesting to uh, sort of speculate on on what he wants. It, okay, so I've I've seen theories that say he's looking for the the rings uh, that that Shang Chi would have because oh, okay. uh, mm-hmm. of all the symbolism with the rings. Maybe mm-hmm. he's looking for um, uh, Kamala's bracelets, um, and and so people have speculated that it's very much like a Thanos search for Infinity Stones, mm. but with these rings and 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 whatnot of power. Yeah. 
personally, when I heard him saying he was looking for something, I was worried that what if he's looking for the quantum energy that um, Michelle Pfeiffer's character, uh, Janet, ended up with uh, after her time in the quantum realm? Like, what if she stole the power from him and she knows he's coming for her because she was trying to stop him while she was down there? And like this whole thing, it seems like the for a, a while, a portion of this movie, at least while they're in the quantum realm, it'll be Cassie and Scott and then the Pims as two separate groups. And I'm worried if they're going to be maybe be unknowingly working against each other as they either fight or work with King. Like I'm very confused. I have this trailer has me super stoked because I have really no idea where it could go. Oh yeah. It, it just seems it, the movie itself just seems so bonkers that it's nice that you're not able to sort of go, Oh, I can see exactly what the story is going to be and how it's unfolding. There's no way you can do that. Mm-hmm. But like you said, it was neat to sort of see, um, you know, different groupings of our characters seemingly on different um, adventures, mm-hmm. uh, if you will. Um, now, I, and I will say, I'm, I'm kind of excited to, to see Janet back in the qu- quantum realm because we didn't spend much time with her there. Uh, you know, obviously not nearly as much as uh, time as she spent down there. Uh, but it'll be kind of be cool to see her in her element sort of knowing the ropes, right? She'll be our tour guide uh, to, to sort of explain what's going on down there. Yeah, like I'm wondering if like there's that one shot of all the like scavengers it looks like coming over the hill as they approach uh, Hank and Janet. And I'm wondering if maybe that's the faction of, you know, you know people who lived outside this super technological city that, that uh, Janet ended up working with. And that's how she got, she survived for so long because, I mean, her gear when we first see her was very ragged and, and you know, patched together much like those of the uh, the scavengers we saw in that one shot. Okay, okay. So the, the you're suggesting they might be friend, not uh, necessarily foe. Yes. Again, I feel like okay. the main foe would, would be Kang, at least for her, because she's been there before. She must know of this guy who has power and built a whole city in the quantum realm, whereas she's off in the, the boonies, if you will, with the rest of these scavengers who were tossed out for one reason or another. Okay, very interesting. I like that idea. I like that idea. Now, how much do you know about um, the, the the quantum realm from comics at all? Like, it, have, Has that really been explored in anything that you've read? Uh, yes. It, it seems that the quantum realm of the MCU is the comics microverse which is very similar in that it's uh, another reality underneath ours where you can get to by shrinking down and going between the layers so very much like the quantum quantum realm a lot of the stories about that though i mean some of it involves the chronopolis which is kang's um city out of time kind of where he plots his his conquerings from uh and there's also been other enemies just like there's other pathways to the negative zone through the microverse so it, it kind of is very much this this gateway that is another reality that connects more than just the one reality type thing. I mean, we saw in this trailer, it looked like a couple more devil's anuses from the Thor movie up in the sky at one point. So, you know, it's, I wouldn't be surprised if it, it is some sort of, you know, through tether between realities. I just, I can't believe you can say something like that. And I'm like, yep, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> you know, what have you done to us MCU that you've, you've, Enter these terms into our regular, you know, vocab lexicon of vocabulary, and we're like, ah, yeah, <laughs> devil's anus. Okay, I know what you're talking about. Um, so, would you have any clue that uh, who Bill Murray is playing uh, on IMDb? It's listed as Krylar. Is that a character you know of, or is that going to be a new character? It's a name I'm familiar with, but again, the mo- the comics universe is 
so much more lar- so much larger than what we get in the the movies and the movies are already blowing the doors open so i i honestly don't know much about the na- uh, character of krylar so can't help you fair there. enough <laughs> but all i know is that it's bill murray in the mcu mm-hmm. which is a let's go mm-hmm. uh i was very excited to see that because that was something i wasn't uh, aware of before watching the trailer mm-hmm. now did we see several different kangs in this trailer one was it, blue one wasn't yes yeah, so i'm wondering about that because again the blue one Friggin' amazing for comic accuracy. The the lights and everything like that, it looks just like some of the more recent uh, covers that feature King. So that's incredible. Uh, I'm wondering, though, if it's more, if again, we don't know if he's related to Reed Richards or if he's a Stark descendant for the the cinematic universe. But if he is a Stark descendant, it would would make sense that it was some sort of, you know, nanotech helmet type thing that that goes over his face and casts that blue hue while giving him up all the, the sort of heads up display that we see in an Iron Man suit. So I'm, I'm wondering if it's something along those lines or if it's variants. Cause again, even in another shot, we see multiple Scott Langs that kind of explode out of one Scott Lang. Like it was a very trippy shot where it kind of reminded me of Mr. Fantastic turning into noodles from Scarlet Witch. Well, yeah. So that obviously, and there was another scene where there was some red, magic looking mm-hmm. um bursts and so that has a lot of the twitter sphere wondering oh is is wanda back is wanda gonna make an appearance mm-hmm. in this movie because of that um because because that was the first thing i thought of was look that's some uh jim halpert noodles going on right there <laughs> yeah yeah i uh, it's hard to say again this this trailer has me stoked if only because I have really no idea where the story's going. I mean, another thought that popped into my head is, I mean, there's rumors that Corey Stroll uh, will be returning for Darren Cross's Yellow Jacket, or potentially a MODOK I've seen recently, that he, his journey to the quantum realm has turned him in to MODOK in some way. So I'm wondering if maybe that's why Janet's so scared, is because she encountered this what was remained of Darren Cross. And it, again, so many potential things from just a, such a short trailer. I, I am... I'm excited beyond belief. <laughs> uh, wow, that's that's very interesting. Uh, I, yeah, I do think that we'll we'll get uh, Mr. Cross back here. Even not to not to spoil anything here. Spoiler alert, just in case. But um, he is rumored on IMDb to be in the movie, uh, so it will be interesting. And that would that would be a great tie-in all the way back to that first movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, which Marvel does so well, and it always just any time you can sort of bring those elements together, it just strengthens the overall story being told. Uh, but I'm sure we'll learn a bit more as uh, a full uh, trailer comes out closer to the movie. Uh, but for I, I don't I, are they calling this a teaser? Because I think I think so. And like for a teaser trailer, it it showed so, so much. much without giving anything away, which is always you know the the goal. I think it should be with these trailers. Mm-hmm. I mean, and and Marvel is is not above us, or wouldn't put a, sorry, I wouldn't put it past Marvel to pull another Endgame or or whatever trailer it was where Hulk was in a shot and then in the final cut Hulk wasn't there at all. Like they they do know how to use these trailers properly, and this is one of the best ones in my opinion because of how little it gives away while showing so much. Absolutely. Well, just as uh, Phase 4 comes to an end at the beginning of November with Black Panther, we do not have to wait long as Phase 5 Phase five kicks off uh, on February 17th, 2023 with Ant-Man and Wasp Quantumania. So looking forward to it. Um, you know, I know people have been a little up and down on Phase 4, and, and I think we've discussed even on the show how 
it's great because there's something for everyone. Mm-hmm. You don't have to like everything, but there's no way you don't like at least one or two things that have mm-hmm. happened. And uh, it looks like they're 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 continuing on with this both this holiday special and Quantum Mania with doing what they do best, and that's giving us different types of projects that all just still somehow seemingly weave together so very well. And so you know. As as Kevin Feige continues to deliver, we'll see if James Gunn can do the same for DC somehow. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, it's all a waiting game. Uh, but that will wrap it up for trailer time. Let's move into our final segment of the show. Uh, we like to do a little game of whatcha, uh, where we ask what you've been watching, what you've been reading, what you've been playing, what you've been sort of covering that we wouldn't necessarily cover on the show. Darcy, what you been up to? Still watching House of the Dragon, because uh, me and my mom are kind of slow on that one. But uh, playing a lot of Pikmin recently. I don't know why I picked that game back up, but Pikmin 3, playing it on Switch, and it is so delightful. I mean, I haven't been doing much except that, so kind of old news at this point. <laughs> Weren't you playing a mobile version of that as well? Yes, and that probably is what got me back into the console version, but they, Niantic, uh, the one... The company famous for releasing Pokemon Go with uh, in, in partnership with Nintendo also released this Pikmin game, which kind of I missed for the first few months it was out. But it's just a game that you get, it counts your steps and you grow Pikmin and, and collect fruits as you walk around your town and stuff like that. It's very basic, but again, it has that Pikmin charm that got me right back into that game. So it's just, I love Pikmin. <laughs> now, is this Pikmin 3 or Pikmin 4? Pikmin 3. Pikmin 4 Pikmin, uh, was So announced. this is an older game. That's an yes. older game. Yes, I played okay, it. It was so a Switch gone... title. Or sorry, it was a Wii U title at first, and it was yes. the deluxe version was released on Switch. So I just got okay, back nice. into an older game because, again, that mobile game, the Pikmin aesthetic is very cute, and it's something that you need every now and then. So yeah, Well, well and it. speaking of Pikmin 4, um, I'm seeing that uh, it, it looks like there might be releasing next year. So you're, mm-hmm. you're getting mm-hmm. back into the franchise at just the right time. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Uh, well, uh, for myself, uh, Sarah and I, my wife, uh, like many women, um, uh, I was talking to my dad about this, and he was reading how uh, it's, it tends to skew towards women who are fascinated by serial killers and, and their stories. <laughs> um, and so when my wife saw that there was going to be a uh, drama based on Jeffrey Dahmer, uh, that was a must-watch for us. So we just wrapped that up on Netflix. Uh, I have to say... You know, it's one thing to read about all the details. It's another to sort of see them unfold. And 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 the scariest parts of it don't even necessarily involve the fact that he's a cannibalistic serial killer. It's, it's the ineptitude of the police handling this case that let him get away so many times before finally... You know, it, was, it wasn't excellent detective work that brought him down. It was stupid, uh, dumb luck and, and you know, a, a mistake made on his part. Um, but so that, that, that whole aspect of it is terrifying. But Evan Peters is just so amazing. It's amazing how he can play such a charming, fun character in one project and then play the most vile, awful human being in another. It's, it's, it's really amazing. Yeah, and he's got several like awful people characters under his belt now at this point. Like from the between American Horror Story and some of the other things, it's just like he he has so many faces as an actor, and some of them are terrifying. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because he he'll he'll be the the vilest, worst villain on one season, and then on another, he's the most charming character. So even mm-hmm. within that very show, he's played about four or five different characters. They've all felt very different, and they've all been terrific. Um. So. 
Uh, I've really enjoyed that. And then just sort of on a similar note, because it's another Ryan Murphy project, uh, which Dahmer on Netflix was. But American. speaking of American Horror Story, the 11th season has just started. Uh, and uh, we're only two episodes in, but it's the best the show's been in probably three or four years. So that's exciting to see it sort of return to form after what was a couple really uh, difficult to get through seasons. Mm-hmm. Just mentioning seasons so many times, I realized I have been watching something else. I've been catching up on something else that I had left by the wayside for a while. And tis the season for spooky things i've been watching what we do in the shadows and i've talked with you about it off air but man that last season is incredible season four is is great and i can't wait for season five it needs to come sooner yeah i i, I totally agree season four knocked it out of the park i so thought season good. three season three had some ups good episodes but it, it had some ups and downs it felt long which mm-hmm. is weird for a 10 or 12 episode season but i just wasn't i don't know it just didn't have that same oomph that the first two seasons had, but it was back in full force. Uh, they do some really fun things with uh, Colin's character. Um, Laszlo is just still uh, amazing as always, and um, and I do like where they set it up for five. You're right, Darcy. Mm-hmm. I cannot wait to see where it goes with season five. Yeah, and like, I mean, one of the, my favorite things for season four is the fact that we got different character pairings that we were used to over the last three seasons. They started sticking characters together with storylines that you wouldn't expect work together. But again, they nail it, hit it out of the park. It's so good. Anyone who hasn't checked out what we do in the shadows, movie or show, needs to get on that stuff because it's such a wonderful little spooky universe. It really, it really is, and it is a universe, right? Just because the mm-hmm. movies are tied in so much with the TV show. Um, and yeah, uh, and this year Nandor with a genie is just uh, amazing. <laughs> That's all I'll say. So He's good. absolutely he so many wishes. <laughs> oh yeah, so oh, many yeah. meaningless wishes. Oh yeah, uh, the one where uh, he wants to play on the dream team, and so the genie just brings back the cardboard cutout of the guy. <laughs> yeah. I also, uh, he's, he wishes for his casket or coffin to be closed. And he's like, "Are you sure yes. you want to waste a wish on this?" He's like, "Yes, do it." <laughs> like, oh, so good. Yeah, laziness really does get the best of them there, um, <laughs> for sure. Uh, that's awesome. All right, well, that is it for This Week in Geek. Thank you for tuning in wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe and leave us a glowing review. We always appreciate the love. And if you want to write into the show with your thoughts on this week's news, you can reach us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. Or if that's a little too Caster Troy and you're more of a <laughs> Sean Archer, let's face off on Twitter at GeekCentricYT, and Instagram at WeAreGeekCentric. As always, we have plenty of awesome content to check out. Watch Club season is in full effect as we recently wrapped up our uh, series for She-Hulk Attorney at Law and just released part two of our Andor series for the Disney Plus show. Recently, Justin and I attended the Black Adam Rocks Canada event, and we have a recap of the awesome stuff that went down, plus our spoiler-free review of the movie. Darcy and I were able to check out the Clerks 3 Convenience Tour event, where we got to see the final chapter in the Clerks trilogy, as well as a chance to meet Kevin Smith, so check out our thoughts on all that. Plus, we have just a plethora of awesome interviews with cast and crews from some of the biggest and best movies and TV shows to come your way this last year. You can check those out wherever you listen to podcasts, or if you want to see our charming smiles and charismatic eyes, and those of the people we were fortunate enough to talk to, check those out at youtube.com slash geekcentric. Plus, just like the show you listen to, we have our weekly This Week in Geek, where we look at all the latest news and trailers from the Geekiverse. And I mean, there's just so much more stuff to check out, so please do so. Leave us a review so we we know what you thought. Uh, but until next time, guys, thanks for joining us. And as we say, laters, get home safe, guys. Love you. Peace. <laughs>